Coming up on Stu Does America, Jeremy Dice from the First Liberty Institute is going to join us to talk about the continued battle for religious freedom, especially in the wake of continuing COVID restrictions. And remember how the mainstream media collectively said, eh, to the Biden family corruption. <laughs> well, a new interview with Hunter might actually make them sit up and take notice. Right. Thanks so much for tuning in and congratulations. You made it to Friday. This is as good of a reason as any to subscribe to my Instagram page and of course, see my exclusive content. Follow the link in my bio. You'll be able to share this show. It's available to watch and share free on any platform you so choose or catch the show or the rest of its network's great content with your own subscription to Blaze TV. Head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Now, we can't jump exactly to conclusions or start patting ourselves on the back quite yet, but doesn't it seem like maybe, just maybe, we are kind of getting back to normal right now? I mean, I don't know. Let's do the end of the pandemic. Stu does America. Welcome to Good Friday. I appreciate you tuning in today as we head into Easter weekend. You know, there's a lot of things to be thankful for and a lot of things to be positive over. A lot of things suck. We'll try to avoid those as much as we can today. Although there has to be a little bit of that here and there, of course. I mean, what show do you think you're watching or listening to? <laughs> it's Two Does America. We're going to give you a little bit of negative. I will say, it's a very good Friday today, though. And as we look at the, uh, the situation around us, we do see some really positive things. Um, I want to start off here in the world of vaccines, and I know some people don't like the vaccines. Let me give you a little primer in case you haven't watched me talk about the vaccines at all. I like them. I'm really excited about it. You know what I like about it most? I feel like it's an American way to respond to a problem like this. Everyone told us, you know what the way to solve this problem is? Hide in your basements. Get into individual bubbles and never see anyone ever again. And you know what we said? You know, we got these giant pharmaceutical companies uh, and capitalism and the Trump administration. Let's have them all work together and just solve this thing. Just get it done. I want it done. I don't want to have a little thing bubbling around here and there. We got to deal with it on and off and on and off and on and off. We got to hide in little garbage bags that we've put in the back of the house. I, I don't want to do that. I want this thing dead. And the vaccines are the way to do that. Uh, so I'm kind of excited about the vaccines. You may not be. And here's the thing. You should be able to make your own decision about it. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I have tons of friends who are, you know, not so excited about the vaccine like I am. And you know what I say to them? Good for you. You live in America. You pick the right country. You get to make those choices here. I get to make my choices here. We should all be happy about that. And when you happen to be a person who continually makes decisions based on individual freedom, these conversations are easy. We don't need to harangue people into getting the vaccine. Let's just prove it's really good. It's really successful. And a lot of people will get it. And those people who don't want to get it don't have to. Makes it nice and easy, doesn't it? Makes it good for everybody. So I think that's the path we're going down. And I think we're going down there that path very quickly. Uh, so let me give you some some news from the uh, the world of the pandemic. And I think we are very close to the end, at least in the United States with this thing. First of all, we are vaccinating a lot of people. Uh, chart number one, I should tell you, this is Chartapalooza today. This is Conservanerds Unite. We are going to chart you to death. Get ready for charts. Charts, charts, charts. 
Chart number one, total people vaccinated in this country, 99.57 million people so far, about 43 million partially vaccinated, about 56 million fully vaccinated. That is a lot of people. It's more than anyone else in the world by quite a margin. It's a good Friday, a good Friday. And you know what? We're vaccinating more and more people every single day. Look at this. We are going faster and faster. And yes, of course, we know Joe Biden is going to try to take credit for this. We all know the truth. A bunch of Trump people are still in charge of half of this thing. It was all done before he got in there. Whatever. He can take credit all he wants. I'm just glad it's happening. We're up to 2.9 million people per day on average. That is very, very good. It's going very, very quickly. It's going faster and faster and faster. And we're going to have uh, everybody who wants to get a vaccine can have a vaccine. We're going to be at that point very soon. We've hit the point now where you can actually schedule a vaccine if you're 16 or older in Texas and several states are going in that direction as well. So it's coming fast. It's a good Friday. How about this? We talked about uh, going into uh, the pandemic. As these things were developing, we did many segments on the sort of conservative alternative approach. It, it, conservatives were always painted as like, oh, they don't care. They're going to kill grandma. They're just going to let, let this disease fly around and kill as many people as possible because they love death or something. They're a death cult, remember? Those darn conservatives. And conservatives said, we had experts on the show, uh, many uh, suggested the idea of some version of a situation where we would take the most vulnerable people in our society and let have them maybe go into uh, their own lockdown or uh, avoid people as much as possible, while people who were younger and healthier went out and did their best to keep the country running. So we didn't need to have that sort of full shutdown. We had millions of people who maybe even already had COVID and recovered, people who were very young and, and not vulnerable uh, that much to this uh, particular virus. And those people were kind of forced to go along with this blanket policy where everybody uh, stayed inside for very long periods of time. And that never made that much sense. Well, we, the, our idea kind of as the conservatives, I mean, I, you know, I'm just speaking generally, there's a lot of different versions of this, but our idea was like, hey, why don't we just take the people we know are vulnerable and let them kind of hide away from the virus? Well, we're kind of getting to the point where we're doing that now in a totally different way, and it comes through the vaccine. Instead of having people hide away that are older, those people are actually getting out now um, the, because they've had the vaccine. In fact, we have now vaccinated 73.7% of those 65 and older. So we're getting to the point now where the people who are most vulnerable are really able uh, to go out and, and do their thing a little bit. 52% of those over 65 have been fully vaccinated. Now, as far as the entire population, we're at 30% who have had at least one dose. And these vaccines are so effective, one dose may very well be enough. We're seeing that is the entire philosophy of the United Kingdom uh, with the virus. They're going with one shot. Everybody gets one, that's fine. It'll, it's not gonna be perfect, but it's gonna do really well. So that is real progress. 73.7% of those 65 and older. And here's the thing, these vaccines are proving that they're doing very well in real world situations. This is from the CDC, came out today. mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, that's Pfizer and Moderna, uh, they are highly effective in preventing infections in real world situations. They studied 4,000 people that were first responders and essential workers. They've been tested weekly for COVID-19 to see their monitoring uh, their uh, progress after the vaccine hit. 
And we are finding that these numbers are holding up from the trials. 90% less likely to get infected in, the, in this group of 4,000 in real world circumstances, which is really exciting. Pfizer also released another, this is just the, this one's just on Pfizer, but it's showing to be pretty consistent across all of these vaccines, really. The quote from Pfizer today, the Pfizer uh, BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine was 91.3% effective against COVID, measured seven days up through six months after the second dose. The vaccine was 100% effective against severe disease as defined by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and 95.3% effective against severe COVID-19 as defined by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. They have a little bit of a different standards, but the bottom line is people are not getting severely ill from this virus. That's a six-month check-in now. Six months. That's really, really good. These things are freaking miracles, miracles. And this is something we should be incredibly thankful for. It's a good Friday. We can have them. It's possible. It's a good Friday. How about this? We've gone through the situation where people are getting vaccinated. We have uh, a situation where the virus is coming down. Not as many people are dying. Not as many people are getting sick. This is a good thing. And what it's meaning is people are starting to go back to normal life. Let me look at, let me show you this data from Open Table. They're the company, of course, you make reservations on uh, for your restaurants. And they've been monitoring how many reservations are going on in, in uh, throughout the country. And uh, they can give you a little bit of a nice picture as to what's happened over the past uh, year and change. Uh, you see at the beginning of the graph, we're at zero uh, percent. That would be normal uh, pandemic, pre-pandemic restaurant usage. It crashed down to minus 100% <laughs> for about six weeks, and then started to slowly tick up through the summer and peaked around, I'd say September or October, before we had that one last surge of the virus, or at least what we believe and hope is the last surge of the virus. Uh, people kind of went back inside a little bit. There were some shutdowns in certain places, but now it has popped back up. We are up to 75% now, 75% of normal pre-pandemic restaurant usage in this country that includes you know i mean i know gavin newsom kept going out to restaurants the entire time but this includes places like california and new york and everything where people have really still been shut down if you look at a place like texas where we just said hey we're 100 percent open guess what we are back to pre-pandemic restaurant usage we are back at 100 percent this is great news great news and this happens in the context of uh, Texas being at very low numbers. We continue to fall and fall and fall despite the, the promises of doom from the media and our president and people like Gavin Newsom. Hey guys, it's a good Friday. Now I'm gonna give you something very shocking here. And this one even shocked me. This one is one of those things that I honestly did not see coming and I'm very surprised by it. However, I've mentioned it to you before and it's one of these things that has shown up in every single study about this topic. When we're not talking about uh, anecdotal stories, when we're not talking about uh, perceptions, generalized perceptions, what you might expect to happen. I'm talking about hard numbers. We've seen a study in Massachusetts that has shown this. We've seen a study in Peru that has shown this. And now we have the preliminary numbers from the CDC talking about suicide. Now look, I, I was very much a person who believed these sorts of lockdowns would create really big problems with depression, and there's evidence to support that. Um, that would, of course, turn into really bad numbers for suicide. We have economic uh, disasters going on. A lot of different things would add up to you believing, hey, 
this is what you know these numbers are going to go way up this year and we kind of expected that we we know that you know uh, that deaths had gone up we know that people uh, were suffering from real problems uh, dealing with the lockdown so what happened with the suicide numbers CDC numbers are out here's the giant chart shows all the different things we don't need to go into every single category though we'll probably be hitting these eventually here on the program uh, but let me show you, this is where suicide is at the very bottom. Now, suicide's usually uh, toward the very bottom uh, of the uh, chart. There it is. You see it highlighted at the very bottom. Now, if you go to the 2019 numbers, you will see 47,511 suicides in 2019. What was the number for 2020? 44,834. For all of you mathematicians out there, that's down down 5.6% from 2019 to 2020. Now, these are preliminary numbers. Maybe we'll find out something is wrong with them. You always have to, when something surprises you like that, it's, it's always good to kind of sit back and say, wait a minute, what's, what's going on with these numbers? What's the reason? Uh, but this is shown up consistently. Now, this does not necessarily mean everything was wonderful. We obviously know that uh, it, they, it was not. Um, part of this might just be People were around other people at home more often. Um, for those people who were in families that may have committed suicide in a previous year, they may have been around family. They may have been around. They may have been doing stuff with a with a relative. They may have been, uh, you know, they're, they're around their kids. We know this is part of the issue that we also see. And another really good piece of of good news that 2020, as conservatives have argued uh, the entire time, should. We shouldn't be worried about kids going back to school. Kids don't need to be, don't worry about kids going back to school. The kids are fine with this. They're not they're not dying. Obviously, there's been some, uh, you know, some of that that's happened. There's been some side effects that have been negative. But generally speaking, kids are do pretty well with COVID-19. So this shouldn't be all that surprising. But I don't know. Is it? I kind of think it is. Here is the chart when you split out how many people died by age and you see People in the in the age groups uh, of, of, of higher age uh, are much higher, you know, 15, 20 percent higher death numbers between those 18 and up. Uh, obviously, older people died even in, in more than that. Um, however, when you look at people under 18, they died less than normal, less often than normal. This is a really nice side effect of a terrible, terrible year in that. And you can see this, I guess, like, you know, how do people die when they're young? Uh, you know, you die in car accidents. So maybe people weren't taking as there wasn't as much traffic on the roads uh, for sure. So maybe that was down a little bit. Uh, you know, accidents at home are a big cause of death for younger people. And parents were home all the time. You know, maybe you're not as crappy a parent as you thought. And that's great news. It's a good Friday. But this is the best part, I think. The best part of all of this. The best part, the best news I can bring you an entire year when it comes to COVID-19. Are you ready for it? Here is the U.S. weekly mortality chart. What does this chart tell you exactly? It tells you how many people died from all causes. This is all-cause mortality, and it's spread out over the entire year. You see the uh, bright red line there, kind of comes in, and then it shoots up in March and April uh, as people start dying from COVID. And importantly, it never returns to normal levels the entire year. Even when we were like, oh, well, there's, you know, we've kind of hit a lull before the summer, uh, you know, maybe May and June, uh, maybe July, 
before the summer surge here in the uh, in the south. We never got back to normal. Here's the, this is the first wave. You see kind of the big uh, pop up there. That was the one you remember probably from New York and New Jersey and Connecticut. We'll call it the Cuomo surge just for uh, fine tuning. Um, also, Louisiana and Michigan hit pretty hard in that first wave. Then we had the second wave and the second wave had Texas and Florida and Arizona and other places in the south. And you see that it, it's a little bit of a bump, but not nearly as big as the first bump. Then we had uh, sort of like widespread but m uh, mild outbreak in a way. It was nationwide, so the n overall numbers were higher, though it was never really as bad in any individual places. And that ri ro rise up uh, kind of to a peak at the end of 2020 going into 2021. And that's when the vaccines started to kick in. And what we see in the, uh, in the beginning of 2021 is the decrease from the vaccines. Now, it's important to note it's not entirely because of the vaccines. We've had other drops from COVID in other times, in other countries. And we saw, we've, you know, there's, there's ups and downs with this as we've been able to see. Sometimes it's, it's, it's control of your behavior, other factors kicking in, uh, but this is coinciding with a vaccine program. So it's probably helping, though I wouldn't give vaccines credit, even though I love them, would not give vaccines credit for this entire drop. I think the proof of the pudding of the vaccines is once we hit these higher numbers, do we still get waves going up and down? But let me give that chart that last one one more time, because there's one more thing that's really, really important. The most important part of this entire thing, as you look at the line, that's where it says vaccines begin and we have a chart going down. It reaches down and just touches the very, very top of normal. Meaning that this week, basically, we've returned to relatively normal death across the country for the first time since the pandemic began. We are now these aren't official numbers yet. They're going to be some alterations. But assuming we don't have another explosion of covid deaths, we are likely back at normal for the first time since last March. This is a good, good Friday. There's a lot of things to be thankful for in a terrible freaking year. And but you know what? If you're sitting here watching this dumb show, I don't know why you're doing it. But the good thing is you survived it. You're here and we are close to the end of this. We can kind of keep going and pushing through. Maybe we come out on the other side next week. Home game for the Texas Rangers against America's team, the Toronto Blue Jays, with 100% capacity for the opening day. Now, they'll also have 100% capacity for game two and game three, but I expect uh, it would be to be less than half full. That's a totally different story and talks more about how much the Rangers suck uh, than anything else. But the point here is that we are close to being back to normal. And honestly, it seems like we're getting there quicker than, than I think anyone could have predicted when it comes to the way we've done it. We've developed a brand new tool from scratch in a year, and it's making a real difference. It's a good Friday. I have overloaded you with charts. I wish I had the Case Shiller index in front of me right now, because I would tell you that we're having an explosion in the housing market right now. Now, some of this is because we're printing so much money. So uh, people are like, where do I spend it? Maybe I'll buy a new house. Uh, we are seeing, you know, that sort of return to normal is, is, is leading people to want to rush out and spend some of their money, maybe on a new home, maybe to upgrade. So many people over the coronavirus uh, period have upgraded their homes. 
So this is, this is happening pretty fast. It's pretty interesting to watch. If you're out there in the housing market right now looking to buy a home or you're looking to sell your home and take some profits from it, uh, the market's up. It might be a good time to do that. You got to have a good real estate agent, though, one that actually understands the best process to make sure you get the most for your money. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, the Radio Hall of Fame member Glenn Beck created realestateagentsitrust.com, and it operates sort of as a real estate agent Hall of Fame. You get the best agents in your area. Find them now when you're buying or selling your home. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Happy to welcome back to the set, Jeremy Dice, advocate and attorney for the First Liberty Institute. It's only a couple trips ago where I almost gave him COVID on set. So welcome back. You're, you're healthy, happy. Oh, and I, I, I still come back every time. I know. I mean, this show must be great. It's, almost, it's hazardous to your health, yeah. but good for your mind. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I want to kind of check in on, you know, obviously faith is, is in the forefront right now, uh, today in particular. And we... Uh, are facing, I think, a lot of big challenges when it comes to religious freedom. Um, I think, you know, we, ha we just went through an administration that largely was pretty friendly uh, to religious freedom. We got some good Supreme Court justices uh, out of that um, uh, scenario. But now we are entering a totally different world where the left has control of the government all over the place. Where do we stand? Yeah, I think it's good for us to go back a year. Uh, and though we don't want to really relive 2020, uh, a year ago, Good Friday, uh, we were filing a lawsuit in Louisville, Kentucky, to try to let churches go to drive-in church services, right? Yeah. The, inside their cars, park in the parking lot. And the mayor of Louisville there wanted to write down license plates and put people into a 14-day house arrest, I, I mean, quarantine period <laughs> uh, for that time. And we got a judge in uh, federal district court judge, Justin Walker, uh, to invalidate that and enjoin that practice. And that really set off a wave of, of lawsuits. We filed another one. I was writing a lawsuit on Easter last year in 2020 the file, I think two days later in Greenville, Mississippi, where an African-American church was literally surrounded by police cars while they're trying to do drive-in church service. And we've been litigating for about a year, almost exclusively, but though not on that topic. I mean, there've been so many either lawsuits or letters or actions we've had to take to make sure churches can be free to open, including as recently as this week, there are still lawsuits going on. Uh, it was last weekend where the uh, District of Columbia was finally enjoined for their um, ca uh, caps of religious worship services. Uh, I say all this to kind of remind us of where we've been, kind of to get a running start. Yeah, we've had a Trump administration that was very friendly to religious liberty. They're very helpful on a lot of good fronts. Uh, but we've had, even during this pandemic, to remind ourselves of the preciousness of religious liberty just to be able to actually have what the left calls the freedom to worship, to actually go to a house of worship and engage our activities there. And there are many points in the country today, even in a uh, place like California, where you can go on the masked singer and participate unmasked, but you can't go to church and sing in a mask. I mean, it, it's still the case now across this country where our, our full orb of religious liberty is still being denied to us here. And that's just what the pandemic has wrought to us. And now all the great executive orders and some of the rules that were put in place by the Trump administration that were extremely helpful for religious liberty, especially of, of organizations and businesses that run their, their, their businesses according to their faith, those are being pulled back and replaced. And there are new lawsuits that are coming up trying to challenge indirectly the right of religious organizations you know, to be religious. Uh, and so the fight is, is very much on and very much necessary right now. I wanna get into the, what the Biden administration is doing and has done so far, but take a step back for a second. When you got into this line of work, fighting for religious liberty, did you ever think you'd be filing lawsuits so that people could attend church? 
Yeah, look, and it's not only just attend church. I'm worried about it, people going to jail for attending church, yeah. right? I mean, there are places where that has been the case. Uh, I mean, don't. this was not ancient history for us to remember, but you had Bill de Blasio telling synagogues in New York City, I will shut you down permanently if you don't follow me. Where does he get off saying that? I mean, th that's not in the Constitution. No. We're looking now at the possibility of having a passport for your vaccine. Uh, I mean, I, I carry that in my pocket. It's called the Constitution. I think I have the right to be able to go where I'd like to go, yeah. the freedom of movement here. But you actually have to have papers in order to be able to go places, either on a plane. Are they going to require that for houses of worship? That, that doesn't seem like that is even possible. And yet I've had colleagues that have had to go to New York to attend to client matters. They literally have to carry their papers with them to prove that they've been to place A to place B. And they're having the COVID police calling them. It wasn't just a couple weeks ago. We had church services raided by COVID police in the Massachusetts, Boston area. Uh, so this kind of overstep by government is proof again that unless we work to preserve our freedoms, the the growth of government and the, 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 the natural impulse of government will be to absorb all of those freedoms and rule us entirely. And that, that just cannot be. How important is it to take these things to their actual conclusion? Now, give me an example of this. Uh, this is off of the religious liberty aspect, so this is just, you know, just my opinion here. Uh, but I was very critical of the Trump administration for their banning of bump stocks. I'm a big Second Amendment guy. Don't think that they could have done that. I don't think that was constitutional. You know, no one cares. No one has bump stocks. I've never met anyone who's had one in my entire life. I didn't even know what they were until that awful day. Um, that being said, those lawsuits have continued to wind through court and was that his restriction of bump stocks, which, you know, he just basically did on his own, um, was was overturned or, you know, it looks like it's going to go down in court. And while that doesn't make any pragmatic difference to basically anyone, how important is it? Like, for example, a church service that you fought, let's say, in a March or April, that since maybe in July began meeting again and they're all going back to church and they don't care. Like now they're back. <laughs> how important is it to make sure we get on the record after this that next time there is a scare like this, this stuff cannot happen? Yeah, no, it's two things that you bring up in that one is judges and how important the appointments that the president made, President Trump made to those, those seats are, have been vital. Uh, and even at the Supreme Court of the United States, you saw a massive shift uh, right around November, December, when a new member of the court joined. Before that, it was different. Uh, the Supreme Court took kind of two different approaches on that. Mm. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts led the way to be very deferential to state executives making these decisions. When a new sheriff came to town with Amy Coney Barrett, things seemed to change. And so those appointments make a difference at the Supreme Court level, but yeah. then also way down the line mm -hmm. at the district court level as well. So that's one. Judges are very important on, on the First Amendment and Second Amendment issues and, and all the rest of our freedoms. Uh, two, it's important you say that, you know, take it to the final uh, conclusion. Getting there is very difficult. Yeah. Right. So we're still being ruled by a case from, I think, 1909 called Jacobson or Jacobson versus Massachusetts involving the smallpox vaccine. We've not had a decision by the Supreme Court on the merits yet of a pandemic. And so we're still trying to figure that thing out. Uh, and they've been able to kind of kick the can down the road without having to address that by taking some uh, enforcements through injunctions, that sort of thing. But yet there's a county in California, for instance, that um, every time they're sued, they're about to go to a higher level and they change the policy. Yeah. And then they once they've been kind of caught and things are kind of status for a while, they reinsert the policy. And then they sue again and they get them, they change the policy. So you're never getting a final adjudication on this thing. And you got these executives and especially local health agencies that are just on a power trip right now, uh, being able to kind of prevent the ultimate conclusion. So that says another couple things, too. Number one, it, we need to have the ultimate conclusion by the Supreme Court. I hope that comes at some point. Number two, 
it's very important for uh, individuals and organizations to assert their rights in court. I, I saw this time and again in the pandemic, and it's not just in the pandemic, but it's a convenient ex example for us to follow, where you'd follow, file a lawsuit or take, uh, make a threat of filing a lawsuit, and executives would change their tune rather quickly. And they would realize that either they've overstepped and maybe they did so uh, ignorantly, they didn't mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. Oh, does happen. If they did so intentionally, they realized the repercussions that, that was going to have for them. And so I saw this, for instance, in Illinois, where there was a lawsuit right at the um, at the Seventh Circuit. And then right before it's going to go to the Supreme Court, Pritzker changes mind and things go back to normal. We saw it with one client who uh, just got a cease and desist, got all this pressure from the governor and from uh, local officials. Uh, the governor called them out specifically in a press conference as being basically going to want to kill grandma, you know, all that kind of negative rhetoric. And they basically said, uh, well, look, we're going to have to go meet anyway because we have a higher authority to appeal to here. Uh, so you're going to have to come shut us down. They didn't. They basically called their bluff and, and they were fine doing so. The, the, the point in driving that home is while we want to follow the law wherever we possibly can when it comes to religion and we want to have peace at all times that we can, there comes a time when it is necessary for us to say, hold on a second. I think you've got the arrangement here backwards. You work for us. We don't work for you. All of us are subject to the Constitution. We're going to follow the Constitution and invite you to do the same. And if you'd like to challenge our interpretation of the Constitution, you know, you'll find us over here at this church or synagogue or mosque. Come try to try to try to stop us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's important to do. It's hard to do uh, for, for especially for, you know, a, a, a pastor who just wants to be speaking to his congregation and wants right. to be able to follow his faith and, and lead people to get into this is not always the easiest decision, but it is really important to protect it for everyone else. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the, the president. Um, there is a, uh, a situation where I think strategically, as far as politics go, th they're, they're doing this a very good job here in that unlike Trump, who was very obviously on Twitter and always in front of the media talking about these things, which was great to get his, his sort of base pumped up and people were passionate about these issues. I think Biden's doing a smart thing here, and it's a different tactic, but it, it works very well as well, in that he's acting like a boring politician who's not doing anything. But in reality, when you peel away the sort of sheen of, of moderate nature in front of him, he's doing all sorts of things. I mean, the speech today was multiple trillions of dollars. Uh, you know, the New York Times summarized what he was doing as the over uh, the overhaul of American capitalism. <laughs> and it's like no one's thinking of Biden as this as this transformational guy. I got to assume he's doing many of the same things when it comes to religious liberty. Yes, is the answer to that. And it's coming at us in so many different directions, which I think is also part of the strategy. You're not sure which one to shoot at first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's making it a little bit difficult. And what's happening is there's there's an ending of certain policies, just flat ending of certain executive orders, which is why, again, executive orders are a bad way to rule a country. Yes. Uh, and they're reinserting new ones with either executive orders or notice and comment uh, through new policies through administrative agencies. And so this emerging, emerging, it's not even emerging anymore, it's this continually burgeoning, this huge growing behemoth that is the administrative state is getting worse and it's mm -hmm. having worse effects on people. So that if you want to have uh, if religious organizations want to partner with the government to do, let's say, homeless ministry, for instance, or housing battered women, is becoming difficult to maintain your religious beliefs and engage in the charitable effects that you engage in. Uh, and worse than that, because of some of the, the insistence on the growing gender identity issues that are out there, yeah. it's becoming difficult to even defend those institutions as lawyers 
uh, we saw up in Anchorage, Alaska, for instance, a women's a shelter up there that uh, had a transgender individual come, was very cantankerous, had already been kicked out of a man's uh, male, male shelter, came to a woman's shelter, was, I, I believe, intoxicated, and had to be kicked out of there as well for the safety of the rest of the residents. They end up being brought up on charges by the uh, Alaska or the Anchorage Equal Rights Commission. Um, the attorneys make some comments in public about it, and their firm is brought up on charges before the AERC, and we had to defend the attorneys defending the institution. So if you can't even have an advocate for engaging in religious liberty, then you've got a real problem in the country. And, and I think this is only gonna get worse, not only with executive agencies that are proposing these rules, but if the Equality Act passes, for goodness sakes, all, you know, it's Katie bar the door. All these things are going to be targeted. And because the Equality Act does one thing in particular, by removing the very defense you need in order to make that defense, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, you're left without a defense entirely uh, at this stage of life. So it's, it's very frightening. Uh, and we ought to be very motivated to preserve as much of religious liberty as we can, even though our senators seem to be completely nonplussed about the need for it. Mm. It really is fascinating to watch it all happen, because as you pointed out at the beginning of this, we have a defense, right? It's the Constitution is, is the defense. Um, hopefully the Supreme Court can hold that line. I mean, right now, the formation of it, uh, you know, the, 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 the balance of it seems to be halfway decent, though I still have my questions at times. Uh, but hopefully we can hold the line at least to make sure that people can do the things they're guaranteed to do, because these are rights that don't come from government. Uh, they come from somewhere else, uh, much higher. You read about it in an old book. It's a fantastic book. It's a little long. Some thou's and these in there might get into, in the way of understanding it all, but trust me, it's a pretty good read. Uh, Jeremy Dice, advocate and attorney for the First Liberty Institute, who's done, you know, these guys, you guys do more than anybody to, to make sure that this line is held, and we appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, back in a second. Look, I could come out here every single day and talk nonstop about media bias. At times, it almost gets overwhelming. And sometimes I think the right can even be almost too over the top with it. You know, I think sometimes we talk about it a little bit too much, frankly. Uh, but there are some cases that are so crystal clear. And I want to give you one. Hunter Biden. Remember this guy? We're going into the election. Big scandals are breaking just before the election. And everybody is saying... There's no reason to look at that at all. He's, it's, don't look at that. Don't look there. The Hunter Biden laptop story comes out. The New York Post gets banned from Twitter over it. Every big news organization is coming out and saying that this is nothing. It's been debunked. It's been di di disproved. Well, here we are. And I, ca I said this at the time. Is someone going to at least ask if it's his laptop? At some point, does somebody ask him, at least if it's his? I mean, you don't have to necessarily confirm every part of this, but we would know, at least can we get a denial on record that he ever dropped a laptop off at this place? I mean, uh, you gotta have that, right? That's not too much to ask. If it's debunked, then debunk it. Well, guess what? There's a new interview with Hunter Biden. Listen. Was that your laptop? For real, I don't know. I know, but, but you know that's, this is- I really a, don't know okay. the answer is. That's you don't know yes or no if the laptop I don't have any yours. idea. I have no idea. So could not. have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could hmm. be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that it was, the, that it was Russian intelligence. It could be <laughs> that it was stolen from me. Well, you saw the things that were in it. Were those on your laptop? I mean, I think quite clearly the answer is yes. And we pretty much can tell by that 
clip of that. Uh, he's not going to say, yes, of course, it was my laptop and, and Rudy Giuliani was right the whole time. Uh, but that is about as clear as you're ever going to get. Look, if someone releases a laptop with me and there's supposedly me smoking crack on it, I'm going to know uh, that it's not my laptop. Why? Because I don't smoke crack on camera. It's just my thing. Um, so, uh, by the way, we're now seeing uh, that uh, CNN is actually acknowledging that Hunter Biden is dodging questions on the laptop, which is amazing. Who would have known that CNN? I mean, again, why not do it now? We're past the election. NPR has uh, uh, has uh, issued a uh, an update on the story. Uh, NPR said the laptop story was discredited by U.S. intelligence and independent investigations by news organizations, which was a book review on uh, by the NPR uh, editor uh, Ron Elving. Well, the correction now says a previous version of the story said U.S. intelligence had discredited the laptop story. U.S. intelligence officials have not made a statement to that effect. And and look, media bias is everywhere. You can find it all the time. It's always there. But there's a difference between media bias and what happened before the 2020 election. The media as a whole decided, you know what, in 2016, we kept giving credence to these uh, scandals, real or imagined, with Hillary Clinton. Again, this is not my knowledge. This is not my narrative. This is theirs. And we allowed too much of that to seep into the public discourse. We focused too much on that. And that allowed this monster, this Adolf Hitler in real life, to come out and win the presidency. We cannot let that happen again. If a big scandal breaks, no. We're not giving it any oxygen. So a big scandal broke right before the election. There were all sorts of details as to what was in this on this laptop. It, it, there is tons of evidence that it ties to not just Hunter, but also Joe Biden. And you know what they did? Ignored it. Now we're past the election and it's OK for them to, to you know, dribble out a few details and say, oh, yeah, sorry about that. We'll correct that story from before the election. They I don't say this often. They intentionally did this. They intentionally ignored it. They could not put themselves in a position where they would feel like we gave Donald Trump another term, no matter what. And I will say the same thing happened with the coverage of Joe Biden as a moderate. We said over and over again, this is the most progressive policy platform you're ever going to see. Even Bernie Sanders said it. He said if he sticks to this, well, he's going to be the most progressive president we've ever had. Well, Bernie Sanders is saying Joe Biden is sticking to it. He said, I think the moment was uh, ready. And then he's had a president to his, to his credit, as everybody knows, was a moderate Democrat throughout his time in the Senate. Again, moderate compared to Sanders is not exactly moderate. Um, he said that Joe Biden had the courage to look at the moment and say, you know what? I have to act boldly. Joe Biden is congratulating or Bernie Sanders is congratulating Joe Biden on shedding his quote unquote moderate past. We are here, man. We are in the middle of it. Uh, this country stepped in it in a big way, and we're going to have to deal with it for a very long time. I know my message was it was a good Friday. doesn't feel like that right this second, but just forget what I was just talking about and go back to having a great weekend. Back in a second. So do you have a Gmail or Yahoo, one of these free email services? Well, they're not really free. You pay with your privacy. And since those companies have access to every email you send or receive, big tech can sell your data to the highest bidder. So you got to trust Startmail to secure your email. Startmail keeps my email, email private, period. Why? Well, every email is encrypted, uh, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. Uh, with Startmail, deleted means deleted. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, when you delete an email, it's gone forever. What a concept. And Startmail uh, uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler or so many of these other companies these days. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Sign up right now. You can get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash stew. Start like you're at the beginning. Startmail with a T. Startmail.com slash stew. S-T-A-R-T-M-A-I-L dot com slash stew. 50% off your first year right now at startmail.com slash stew. Protect your email. So Major League Baseball has announced a last-minute sort of uh, change. Uh, they are moving the 2021 All-Star Game from Atlanta, Georgia, over the Georgia voting law. Needless to say, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. It is typical of the, of the world we live in, where narratives start, everyone can acknowledge they're completely wrong, and yet they just do these things anyway because of all the hype. I mean, one little example for you. Georgia has, I think it's 17 days of early voting, something like that, um, uh, in person. 17 days. Guess how many Joe Biden's home state of Delaware has? Zero. None. You can't vote in person early in Delaware. Yet they're pulling the game out of Georgia. It's just all narrative-based. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I, you know, I'm a big uh, free market guy, and I don't I mean Major League Baseball wants to pull their uh, their events out of there they have the right to do that I do not support government action I do not support I'm not a boycott guy as you know there needs to become a point where you know there's sort of this like I want to be a tough guy response and I want to boycott or I want a new law or I want to jam it through uh, there needs there also needs to be kind of a tough guy response of like good go bye see you see you later don't care don't care bye you want to pull your freaking all-star game out? See ya. The other part of this is making sure these contracts, when signed, are not able to be destroyed and lit on fire every time there's a little controversy. Hold your ground at the beginning, and you don't have to hold it and worry about it at the end. Back in a second. All right. It is, I hope you have a great weekend with your family. Please do that. Enjoy, enjoy your time. You're actually able to go see people. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you're vaccinated. Maybe you're not. Just go see people. Enjoy, enjoy uh, Easter and have a great weekend. Uh, I will say um, you can check out Glenn's. Uh, Glenn has a new show today. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash stew. This promo code uh, is Stu. Save 10 bucks off your subscription if you want to do that. And head over to my Instagram page. I'm trying to post more uh, stuff, so hopefully you've noticed people seem to be liking it. I don't understand why, but I do appreciate it. If you go to the Instagram page and then click on the link in the bio, it'll give you connections to all the social media stuff, all the show stuff, all the merch stuff. Everything you want is there, and we do appreciate it. It's Instagram, uh, and look for Stu Does America. Before we go... Very odd story uh, from New Mexico. Guy goes shopping uh, in Albertsons. So, I mean, what is he in there? 45 minutes, something like that. And he go, when he leaves his car, he leaves the window rolled down a little bit. Uh, goes in, shops for 45 minutes, comes back out, gets in his car, starts driving, turns around, and realizes there's some bees in the back of the car. How many? 15,000. There's 15,000 bees in the back of his car because he left the window open for 45 minutes. No one knows how it happened. 
There was just 15,000 bees there. A uh, couple people got stung, not, not, no, no huge catastrophes. But I am fascinated. You saw the pictures. I am fascinated by a guy who could be oblivious enough to start driving the car when there's 15,000 bees in the back of it. That is insane. We'll see you Monday.